Chapter 8 Pollyanna Pays a Visit It was not long before life at the Harrington homestead settled into something like order, though not exactly the order that Miss Polly had at first prescribed. Pollyanna sewed, practiced, read aloud, and studied cooking in the kitchen, it is true, but she did not give to any of these things quite so much time as had first been planned. She had more time also to just live, as she expressed it, for almost all of every afternoon from two until six o'clock was hers to do with as she liked, provided she did not like to do certain things already prohibited by Aunt Polly. It is a question, perhaps, whether all this leisure time was given to the child as a relief to Pollyanna from work, or as a relief to Aunt Polly from Pollyanna. Certainly, as those first July days passed, Miss Polly found occasion many times to ejaculate, What an extraordinary child! And certainly the reading and sewing lessons found her at their conclusion each day, somewhat dazed, and wholly exhausted. Nancy, in the kitchen, fared better. She was not dazed nor exhausted. Wednesdays and Saturdays came to be, indeed, red-letter days to her. There were no children in the immediate neighborhood of the Harrington homestead for Pollyanna to play with. The house itself was on the outskirts of the village, and though there were other houses not far away, they did not chance to contain any boys or girls near Pollyanna's age. This, however, did not seem to disturb Pollyanna in the least. Oh no, I don't mind it at all, she explained to Nancy. I'm just happy to walk around and see the streets and the houses and watch the people. I just love people. Don't you, Nancy? Well, I can't say I do, all of them retorted Nancy, tersely. Almost every pleasant afternoon found Pollyanna begging for an errand to run, so that she might be off for a walk in one direction or another, and it was on these walks that frequently she met the man. To herself, Pollyanna always called him the man, no matter if she met a dozen other men the same day. The man often wore a long black coat and a high silk hat, two things that the just men never wore. His face was clean-shaven and rather pale, and his hair, showing below his hat, was somewhat gray. He walked erect, and rather rapidly, and he was always alone, which made Pollyanna vaguely sorry for him. Perhaps it was because of this that she one day spoke to him. "'How do you do, sir? Isn't this a nice day?' she called cheerily as she approached him. The man threw a hurried glance about him, then stopped uncertainly. Did you speak to me? he asked in a sharp voice. Yes, sir, beamed Pollyanna. I say, it's a nice day, isn't it? Huh? Oh, <laughs> he grunted and strode on again. Pollyanna laughed. He was such a funny man, she thought. The next day, she saw him again. It isn't quite so nice as yesterday, but it's pretty nice, she called out cheerfully. Hey? Oh, <laughs> grunted the man as before, 
and once again, Pollyanna laughed happily. When, for the third time, Pollyanna accosted him in much the same manner, the man stopped abruptly. See here, child, who are you? And why are you speaking to me every day? I'm Pollyanna Whittier, and I thought you looked lonesome. I'm so glad you stopped. Now we're introduced. Only, I don't know your name yet. Well, of all the... The man did not finish his sentence, but strode on, faster than ever. Pollyanna looked after him with a disappointed droop to her usually smiling lips. Maybe he didn't understand, but that was only half an introduction. I don't know his name yet, she murmured as she proceeded on her way. Pollyanna was carrying calf's foot jelly to Mrs. Snow today. Miss Polly Harrington always sent something to Mrs. Snow once a week. She said she thought that it was her duty, inasmuch as Mrs. Snow was poor, sick, and a member of her church. It was the duty of all the church members to look out for her, of course. Miss Polly did her duty by Mrs. Snow usually on Thursday afternoons. Not personally, but through Nancy. Today, Pollyanna had begged the privilege, and Nancy had promptly given it to her in accordance with Miss Polly's orders. And it's glad that I am to get rid of it, Nancy had declared in private afterwards to Pollyanna. Though it's a shame to be tucking the job off onto you, poor lamb. So it is, so it is. But I'd love to do it, Nancy. Well, you won't, after you've done it once, predicted Nancy, sourly. Why not? Because nobody does. If folks wasn't sorry for her, there wouldn't a soul go near her from morning till night. She's that cantankerous. All is... I pity her daughter, what has to take care of her. But why, Nancy? Nancy shrugged her shoulders. Well, in plain words, it's just that nothing whatever has happened has happened right in Miss Snow's eyes. Even the days of the week ain't run to her mind. If it's Monday, she's bound to say she wished was Sunday. And if you take her jelly, you're pretty sure to hear she wanted chicken. But if you did bring her chicken, she'd be just hankering for lamb broth. Why, what a funny woman, laughed Pollyanna. I think I shall like to go to see her. She must be so surprising and, and different. I love different folks. Huh. Well, Miss Snow's different, all right. I hope, for the sake of the rest of us. Nancy had finished grimly. Pollyanna was thinking of these remarks today as she turned in at the gate of the shabby little cottage. Her eyes were quite sparkling indeed at the prospect of meeting this different Mrs. Snow. A pale-faced, tired-looking young girl answered her knock at the door. "'How do you do?' began Pollyanna politely. "'I'm from Miss Polly Harrington,' And I'd like to see Mrs. Snow, please. Well, if you would, you're the first one that ever liked to see her, muttered the girl under her breath. But Pollyanna did not hear this. The girl had turned and was leading the way through the hall to a door at the end of it. 
in the sick room, after the girl had ushered her in and closed the door, Pollyanna blinked a little before she could accustom her eyes to the gloom. Then she saw, dimly outlined, a woman half sitting up in the bed across the room. Pollyanna advanced at once. How do you do, Mrs. Snow? Aunt Polly says she hopes you're comfortable today, and she sent you some calf's foot jelly. Dear me, jelly, murmured a fretful voice. Of course, I'm very much obliged, but I was hoping it would be lamb broth today. Pollyanna frowned a little. Why, I thought it was chicken you wanted when folks brought you jelly, she said. What? The sick woman turned sharply. Why, nothing much, apologized Pollyanna hurriedly. And of course, it doesn't really make any difference. It's only that Nancy said it was chicken you wanted when we brought jelly, and lamb broth when we brought chicken. But maybe twas the other way, and Nancy forgot. The sick woman pulled herself up till she sat erect in the bed, a most unusual thing for her to do, though Pollyanna did not know this. Well, Miss Impertinence, who are you? She demanded. Pollyanna laughed gleefully. Oh, that isn't my name, Mrs. Snow, and I'm so glad it isn't, too. That would be worse than Hepzibah, wouldn't it? I'm Pollyanna Whittier, Miss Polly Harrington's niece, and I've come to live with her. That's why I'm here with the jelly this morning. All through the first part of this sentence, the sick woman had sat interestedly erect, but at the reference to the jelly, she fell back on her pillow listlessly. Very well, thank you. Your aunt is very kind, of course, but my appetite isn't very good this morning, and I was wanting lamp. She stopped suddenly, then went on with an abrupt change of subject. I never slept a wink last night, not a wink. Oh dear, I wish I didn't, sighed Pollyanna, placing the jelly on the little stand and seating herself comfortably in the nearest chair. You lose such a lot of time just sleeping, don't you think so? Lose time? Sleeping? exclaimed the sick woman. Yes, when you might be just living, you know. It seems such a pity we can't live nights, too. Once again, the woman pulled herself erect in her bed. Well, if you ain't the amazing young one, she cried. Here, do you go to that window and pull up the curtain, she directed. I should like to know what you look like. Pollyanna rose to her feet, but she laughed a little ruefully. Oh dear, then you'll see my freckles, won't you? She sighed as she went to the window. And just when I was being so glad it was dark and you couldn't see him. There, now you can, oh, she broke off excitedly as she turned back to the bed. I'm so glad you wanted to see me because now I can see you. They didn't tell me you were so pretty. Me, pretty, scoffed the woman bitterly. Why, yes, didn't you know it? cried Pollyanna. Well, no, I didn't, retorted Mrs. Snow dryly. 
Mrs. Snow had lived 40 years, and for 15 of those years, she had been too busy wishing things were different to find much time to enjoy things as they were. Oh, but your eyes are so big and dark, and your hair's all dark too, and curly, cooed Pollyanna. I love black curls. That's one of the things I'm going to have when I get to heaven. And you've got two little red spots in your cheeks. Why, Mrs. Snow, you are pretty. I should think you'd know it when you looked at yourself in the glass. The glass, snapped the sick woman, falling back on her pillow. Yes, well, I ain't done much prankin' before the mirror these days. And you wouldn't, if you was flat on your back as I am. Why, no, of course not agreed Pollyanna sympathetically. But wait, just let me show you, she exclaimed, skipping over to the bureau and picking up a small hand glass. On the way back to the bed, she stopped, eyeing the sick woman with a critical gaze. I reckon maybe, if you don't mind, I'd like to fix your hair just a little before I let you see it, she proposed. May I fix your hair, please? Why, I suppose so, if you want to, permitted Mrs. Snow grudgingly, but won't stay, you know. Oh, thank you, I love to fix people's hair, exulted Pollyanna, carefully laying down the hand glass and reaching for a comb. I shan't do much today, of course, I'm in such a hurry for you to see how pretty you are, but someday I'm going to take it all down and have a perfectly lovely time with it, she cried, touching with soft fingers the waving hair above the sick woman's forehead. For five minutes, Pollyanna worked swiftly, deftly, combing a refractory curl into fluffiness, perking up a drooping ruffle at the neck, or shaking a pillow into plumpness so that the head might have a better pose. Meanwhile, the sick woman, frowning prodigiously and openly scoffing at the whole procedure, was, in spite of herself, beginning to tingle with a feeling perilously near to excitement. There, panted Pollyanna, hastily plucking a pink from a vase nearby and tucking it into the dark hair where it would give the best effect. Now I reckon we're ready to be looked at, and she held out the mirror in triumph. Hmm, grunted the sick woman, eyeing her reflection severely. I like red pinks better than pink ones, but then it'll fade anyhow before night, so what's the difference? But I should think you'd be glad they did fade, laughed Pollyanna, cause then you can have the fun of getting some more. I just love your hair fluffed out like that, she finished with a satisfied gaze. Don't you? Hmm, maybe. Still, twon't last, with me tossing back and forth on the pillow as I do. Of course not, and I'm glad, too, nodded Pollyanna cheerfully. Because then I can fix it again. Anyhow, I should think you'd be glad it's black. Black shows up so much nicer on a pillow than yellow hair like mine does. Maybe, but I never did set much store by black hair. Shows gray too soon.
retorted Mrs. Snow. She spoke fretfully, but she still held the mirror before her face. Oh, I love black hair. I should be so glad if only I had it, sighed Pollyanna. Mrs. Snow dropped the mirror and turned irritably. Well, you wouldn't. Not if you were me. You wouldn't be glad for black hair nor anything else if you had to lie here all day as I do. Pollyanna bent her brows in a thoughtful frown. Why, twould be kind of hard to do it then, wouldn't it? She mused aloud. Do what? Be glad about things. Be glad about things when you're sick in bed all your days? Well, I should say it would, retorted Mrs. Snow. If you don't think so, just tell me something to be glad about, that's all. To Mrs. Snow's unbounded amazement, Pollyanna sprang to her feet and clapped her hands. Oh, goody, that'll be a hard one, won't it? I've got to go now, but I'll think and think all the way home, and maybe the next time I come I can tell it to you. Goodbye, I've had a lovely time. Goodbye, she called again as she tripped through the doorway. Well, I never. Now what does she mean by that? ejaculated Mrs. Snow, staring after her visitor. By and by, she turned her head and picked up the mirror, eyeing her reflection critically. That little thing has got a knack with hair, and no mistake, she muttered under her breath. I declare, I didn't know it could look so pretty. But then, what's the use? She sighed, dropping the little glass into the bedclothes and rolling her head on the pillow fretfully. A little while later, when Millie, Mrs. Snow's daughter, came in, the mirror still lay among the bedclothes, where it had been carefully hidden from sight. Why, mother, the curtain is up, cried Millie, dividing her amazed stare between the window and the pink in her mother's hair. Well, what if it is? snapped the sick woman. I needn't stay in the dark all my life if I am sick, need I? Why, no, of course not, rejoined Millie in hasty conciliation as she reached for the medicine bottle. It's only, well, you know very well that I've tried to get you to have a lighter room for ages, and you wouldn't. There was no reply to this. Mrs. Snow was picking at the lace on her nightgown. At last, she spoke fretfully. I should think somebody might give me a new nightdress instead of lamb broth for a change. Why, mother. No wonder Millie quite gasped aloud with bewilderment. In the drawer behind her at that moment lay two new nightdresses that Millie for months had been vainly urging her mother to wear. Chapter 9, which tells of the man. It rained the next time Pollyanna saw the man. She greeted him, however, with a bright smile. It isn't so nice today, is it? She called blithesomely. I'm glad it doesn't rain always, anyhow. 
The man did not even grunt this time, nor turn his head. Pollyanna decided that, of course, he did not hear her. The next time, therefore, which happened to be the following day, she spoke up louder. She thought it particularly necessary to do this, anyway, for the man was striding along, his hands behind his back, and his eyes on the ground, which seemed to Pollyanna preposterous in the face of the glorious sunshine and the freshly washed morning air. Pollyanna, as a special treat, was on a morning errand today. How do you do? she chirped. I'm so glad it isn't yesterday, aren't you? The man stopped abruptly. There was an angry scowl on his face. See here, little girl, we might just as well settle this thing right now, once for all. He began testily. I've got something besides the weather to think of. I don't know whether the sun shines or not. Pollyanna beamed joyously. No, sir, I thought you didn't. That's why I told you. Yes, well, eh? What? He broke off sharply, in sudden understanding of her words. I say that's why I told you, so you would notice it, you know? That the sun shines and all that. I knew you'd be glad it did if you only stopped to think of it. And you didn't look a bit as if you were thinking of it. Well, of all the... ejaculated the man with an oddly impotent gesture. He started forward again, but after the second step he turned back, still frowning. See here, why don't you find someone your own age to talk to? I'd like to, sir, but there aren't any round here, Nancy says. Still, I don't mind so very much... I like old folks just as well. Maybe better sometimes. Being used to the lady's aid, so. Hmm. The lady's aid, indeed. Is that what you took me for? The man's lips were threatening to smile, but the scowl above them was still trying to hold them grimly stern. Pollyanna laughed gleefully. Oh, no, sir. You don't look a mite like a lady's aider. Not but that you're just as good, of course. Maybe better, she added in hurried politeness. You see, I'm sure you're much nicer than you look. The man made a queer noise in his throat. Well, of all the... He ejaculated again as he turned and strode on as before. The next time Pollyanna met the man, his eyes were gazing straight into hers with a quizzical directness that made his face look really pleasant, Pollyanna thought. Good afternoon, he greeted her a little stiffly. Perhaps I'd better say right away that I know the sun's shining today. But you don't have to tell me, nodded Pollyanna brightly. I knew you knew it just as soon as I saw you. Oh, you did, did you? Yes, sir. I saw it in your eyes, you know, and in your smile. Hmm, <laughs> grunted the man as he passed on. The man always spoke to Pollyanna after this, and frequently he spoke first, though usually he said little but good afternoon. Even that, however, was a great surprise to Nancy, who chanced to be with Pollyanna one day when the greeting was given. Sakes alive, Miss Pollyanna, she gasped. Did that man speak to you? Why, yes, he always does. Now smiled Pollyanna. 
He always does. Goodness, you know who he is? Demanded Nancy. Pollyanna frowned and shook her head. I reckon he forgot to tell me one day. You see, I did my part of the introducing, but he didn't. Nancy's eyes widened. But he never speaks to anybody, child. He ain't for years, I guess, except when he just has to, for business and all that. He's John Pendleton. He lives all by himself in the big house on Pendleton Hill. He won't even have anyone round to cook for him. Comes down to the hotel for his meals three times a day. I know Sally Miner, who waits on him, and she says he hardly opens his head enough to tell what he wants to eat. She has to guess it more than half the time. Only it'll be something cheap. She knows that without no telling. Pollyanna nodded sympathetically. I know. You have to look for cheap things when you're poor. Father and I took meals out a lot. We had beans and fish balls most generally. We used to say how glad we were we liked beans. That is, we said it specially when we were looking at the roast turkey place, you know, that was 60 cents. Does Mr. Pendleton like beans? Like em? What if he does? Or don't? Why, Miss Pollyanna, he ain't poor. He's got loads of money, John Pendleton has, from his father. There ain't nobody in town as rich as he is. He could eat dollar bills if he wanted to and not know it. Pollyanna giggled. As if anybody could eat dollar bills and not know it, Nancy, when they come to try to chew them. <laughs> I mean, he's rich enough to do it, shrugged Nancy. He ain't spending his money, that's all. He's a saving of it. Oh, for the heathen, surmised Pollyanna. How perfectly splendid. That's denying yourself and taking up your cross. I know, father told me. Nancy's lips parted abruptly, as if there were angry words all ready to come. But her eyes, resting on Pollyanna's jubilantly trustful face, saw something that prevented the words being spoken. Hmm. She vouchsafed. Then, showing her old-time interest, she went on, But say... It is queer his speaking to you, honestly, Miss Pollyanna. He don't speak to no one, and he lives all alone in a great big lovely house all full of just grand things, they say. Some says he's crazy, and some just cross, and some says he's got a skeleton in his closet. Oh, Nancy, shuddered Pollyanna. How can he keep such a dreadful thing? I should think he'd throw it away. Nancy chuckled. That Pollyanna had taken the skeleton literally instead of figuratively, she knew very well. But, perversely, she refrained from correcting the mistake. And everybody says he's mysterious, she went on. Some years he just travels, week in and week out, and it's always in heathen countries. Egypt and Asia and the Desert of Sarah, you know. Oh, a missionary nodded Pollyanna. Nancy laughed oddly. Well, I didn't say that, Miss Pollyanna. When he comes back, he writes books. Queer, odd books, they say, about some gimcrack he's found in them heathen countries. 
but he don't never seem to want to spend no money here. Leastways, not for just living. Of course not, if he's saving it for the heathen, declared Pollyanna. But he is a funny man, and he's different, too. Just like Mrs. Snow, only he's a different different. Well, I guess he is, rather, chuckled Nancy. I'm gladder than ever now, anyhow, that he speaks to me, sighed Pollyanna contentedly. Chapter 10. A Surprise for Mrs. Snow The next time Pollyanna went to see Mrs. Snow, she found that lady, as at first, in a darkened room. It's the little girl from Miss Polly's, mother, announced Millie in a tired manner. Then Pollyanna found herself alone with the invalid. Oh, it's you, is it? Asked a fretful voice from the bed. I remember you. Anybody'd remember you, I guess, if they saw you once. I wish you had come yesterday. I wanted you yesterday. Did you? Well, I'm glad tisn't any farther away from yesterday than today is, then, laughed Pollyanna, advancing cheerily into the room and setting her basket carefully down on a chair. My, but aren't you dark here, though? I can't see you a bit she cried, unhesitatingly crossing to the window and pulling up the shade. I want to see if you've fixed your hair like I did. Oh, you haven't. But never mind. I'm glad you haven't, after all, because maybe you'll let me do it later. But now, I want you to see what I've brought you. The woman stirred restlessly. Just as if how it looks would make any difference in how it tastes, she scoffed but she turned her eyes toward the basket. Well, what is it? Guess. What do you want? Pollyanna had skipped back to the basket. Her face was alight. The sick woman frowned. Why, I don't want anything, as I know of, she sighed. After all, they all taste alike. Pollyanna chuckled. This won't. Guess, if you did want something, what would it be? The woman hesitated. She did not realize it herself, but she had so long been accustomed to wanting what she did not have, that to state offhand what she did want seemed impossible, until she knew what she had. Obviously, however, she must say something. This extraordinary child was waiting. Well, of course, there's lamb broth. I've got it, crowed Pollyanna. But that's what I didn't want, sighed the sick woman, now sure of what her stomach craved. It was chicken I wanted. Oh, I've got that too, chuckled Pollyanna. The woman turned in amazement. Both of them, she demanded. Yes, and calf's foot jelly triumphed Pollyanna. I was just bound you should have what you wanted for once, so Nancy and I fixed it. Oh, of course, there's only a little of each, but there's some of all of them, she went on contentedly as she lifted the three little bowls from her basket. You see, I got to thinking on the way here, what if you should say tripe or onions or something like that that I didn't have? Wouldn't it have been a shame when I'd tried so hard? 
There was no reply. The sick woman seemed to be trying, mentally, to find something she had lost. There, I'm to leave them all, announced Pollyanna, as she arranged the three bowls in a row on the table. Like enough, it'll be lamb broth you want tomorrow. How do you do today? She finished in polite inquiry. Very poorly, thank you, murmured Mrs. Snow, falling back into her usual listless attitude. I lost my nap this morning. Nellie Higgins next door has begun music lessons, and her practicing drives me nearly wild. She was at it all the morning, every minute. I'm sure I don't know what I shall do. Pollyanna nodded sympathetically. I know, it is awful. Mrs. White had it once, one of my lady's aiders, you know. She had rheumatic fever, too, at the same time, so she couldn't thrash round. She said it would have been easier if she could have. Can you? Can I? What? Thrash round. Move, you know, so as to change your position when the music gets too hard to stand. Mrs. Snow stared a little. Why, of course I can move anywhere. In bed, she rejoined a little irritably. Well, you can be glad of that then, anyhow, can't you? Nodded Pollyanna. Mrs. White couldn't. You can't thrash when you have rheumatic fever, though you want to something awful, Mrs. White says. She told me afterwards she reckoned she'd have gone raving crazy if it hadn't been for Mrs. White's sister's ears, being deaf, so. Sister's ears? What do you mean? Pollyanna laughed. Well, I reckon I didn't tell it all, and I forgot you didn't know Mrs. White. You see, Miss White was deaf, awfully deaf, and she came to visit him and had to help take care of Mrs. White in the house. Well, they had such an awful time making her understand anything that after that, every time the piano commenced to play across the street, Mrs. White felt so glad she could hear it that she didn't mind so much that she did hear it, because she couldn't help thinking how awful it would be if she was deaf and couldn't hear anything, like her husband's sister. You see, she was playing the game, too. I'd told her about it. The game? Pollyanna clapped her hands. There, I most forgot. But I've thought it up, Mrs. Snow, what you can be glad about. Glad about? What do you mean? Why, I told you I would. Don't you remember? You asked me to tell you something to be glad about. Glad, you know, even though you did have to lie here abed all day. Oh, scoffed the woman. That? Yes, I remember that. But I didn't suppose you were in earnest any more than I was. Oh, yes, I was, nodded Pollyanna triumphantly. And I found it, too. But it was hard. It's all the more fun, though, always, when tis hard. And I will own up, honest to true, that I couldn't think of anything for a while. Then I got it. Did you really? Well, what is it? Mrs. Snow's voice was sarcastically polite. Pollyanna drew a long breath. I thought how glad you could be that other folks weren't like you, all sick in bed like this, you know, she announced impressively. Mrs. Snow stared. Her eyes were angry. Well, really, 
she ejaculated then, in not quite an agreeable tone of voice. And now I'll tell you the game, proposed Pollyanna, blithely confident. It'll be just lovely for you to play. It'll be so hard. And there's so much more fun when it is hard. You see, it's like this. And she began to tell of the missionary barrel, the crutches, and the doll that did not come. The story was just finished when Millie appeared at the door. Your aunt is wanting you, Miss Pollyanna, she said with dreary listlessness. She telephoned down to the Harlows across the way. She says you're to hurry, that you've got some practicing to make up before dark. Pollyanna rose reluctantly. All right, she sighed. I'll hurry. Suddenly, she laughed. I suppose I ought to be glad I've got legs to hurry with, hadn't I, Mrs. Snow? There was no answer. Mrs. Snow's eyes were closed. But Millie, whose eyes were wide open with surprise, saw that there were tears on the wasted cheeks. Goodbye, flung Pollyanna over her shoulder as she reached the door. I'm awfully sorry about the hair. I wanted to do it, but maybe I can next time. One by one, the July days passed. To Pollyanna, they were happy days indeed. She often told her aunt, joyously, how very happy they were. Whereupon her aunt would usually reply, wearily, Very well, Pollyanna. I am gratified, of course, that they are happy. But I trust that they are profitable as well. Otherwise, I should have failed signally in my duty. Generally, Pollyanna would answer this with a hug and a kiss, a proceeding that was still always most disconcerting to Miss Polly. But one day she spoke. It was during the sewing hour. Do you mean that it wouldn't be enough then, Aunt Polly, that they should be just happy days? She asked wistfully. That is what I mean, Pollyanna. They must be profitable as well? Certainly. What is being profitable? Why, it, it's just being profitable. Having profit, something to show for it, Pollyanna. What an extraordinary child you are. Then just being glad isn't profitable? Questioned Pollyanna a little anxiously. Certainly not. Oh, dear. Then you wouldn't like it, of course. I'm afraid now you won't ever play the game, Aunt Polly. Game? What game? Why, that father... Pollyanna clapped her hand to her lips. Nothing, she stammered. Miss Polly frowned. That will do for this morning, Pollyanna, she said tersely. And the sewing lesson was over. Why, Aunt Polly... How perfectly lovely, she cried. You were coming up to see me. Come right in. I love company, she finished, scampering up the stairs and throwing her door wide open. Now, Miss Polly had not been intending to call on her niece. She had been planning to look for a certain white wool shawl in the cedar chest near the east window. But to her unbounded surprise now, she found herself not in the main attic before the cedar chest, but in Pollyanna's little room, sitting in one of the straight-backed chairs. 
So many, many times since Pollyanna came, Miss Polly had found herself like this, doing some utterly unexpected, surprising thing, quite unlike the thing she had set out to do. I love company, said Pollyanna again, flitting about as if she were dispensing the hospitality of a palace. Especially since I've had this room, all mine, you know. Oh, of course, I had a room, always, but twas a hired room, and hired rooms aren't half as nice as owned ones, are they? And of course, I do own this one, don't I? Why, yes, Pollyanna, murmured Miss Polly, vaguely wondering why she did not get up at once and go to look for that shawl. And of course, now I just love this room, even if it hasn't got the carpets and curtains and pictures that I'd been wanting. With a painful blush, Pollyanna stopped short. She was plunging into an entirely different sentence when her aunt interrupted her sharply. What's that, Pollyanna? Nothing, Aunt Polly, truly. I didn't mean to say it. Probably not, returned Miss Polly coldly. But you did say it, so suppose we have the rest of it. But it wasn't anything, only that I'd been kind of planning on pretty carpets and lace curtains and things, you know. But, of course, planning on them, interrupted Miss Polly sharply. Pollyanna blushed still more painfully. I ought not to have, of course, Aunt Polly, she apologized. It was only because I'd always wanted them and hadn't had them, I suppose. Oh, we'd had two rugs in the barrels, but they were little, you know, and one had ink spots and the other holes, and there never were only those two pictures, the one father, I mean, the good one we sold and the bad one that broke. Of course, if it hadn't been for all that, I shouldn't have wanted them so. Pretty things, I mean, and I shouldn't have got to planning all through the hall that first day how pretty mine would be here, and, and, but truly, Aunt Polly, it wasn't but just a minute, I mean, a few minutes, before I was being glad that the bureau didn't have a looking glass, because it didn't show my freckles, and there couldn't be a nicer picture than the one out my window there, and you've been so good to me that... Miss Polly rose suddenly to her feet. Her face was very red. That will do, Pollyanna, she said stiffly. You have said quite enough, I'm sure. The next minute, she had swept down the stairs, and not until she reached the first floor did it suddenly occur to her that she had gone up into the attic to find a white wool shawl in the cedar chest near the east window. Less than 24 hours later, Miss Polly said to Nancy crisply, Nancy, you may move Miss Pollyanna's things downstairs this morning to the room directly beneath. I have decided to have my niece sleep there for the present. Yes, ma'am, said Nancy aloud. Oh, glory, said Nancy to herself. To Pollyanna, a minute later, she cried joyously. And won't you just be listening to this, Miss Pollyanna? You're to sleep downstairs, in the room straight under this. You are, you are. Pollyanna actually grew white. You mean, why, Nancy, not really, really and truly? I guess you'll think it's really and truly, 
prophesied Nancy exultingly, nodding her head to Pollyanna over the armful of dresses she had taken from the closet. I'm told to take down your things, and I'm going to take them too, before she gets a chance to change her mind. Pollyanna did not stop to hear the end of this sentence. At the imminent risk of being dashed headlong, she was flying downstairs, two steps at a time. Bang went two doors and a chair before Pollyanna at last reached her goal, Aunt Polly. Oh, Aunt Polly, Aunt Polly, did you mean it? Really? Why, that room's got everything, the carpet and the curtains and three pictures, besides the one outdoors, too, because the windows look the same way. Oh, Aunt Polly. Very well, Pollyanna. I am gratified that you like the change, of course, but if you think so much of all those things, I trust you will take proper care of them. That's all. Pollyanna, please pick up that chair, and you have banged two doors in the last half minute. Miss Polly spoke sternly, all the more sternly because, for some inexplicable reason, she felt inclined to cry and Miss Polly was not used to feeling inclined to cry. Pollyanna picked up the chair. Yes, um, I know I banged him, those doors, she admitted cheerfully. You see, I just found out about the room, and I reckon you'd have banged doors if... Pollyanna stopped short and eyed her aunt with new interest. Aunt Polly, did you ever bang doors? I hope not, Pollyanna. Miss Polly's voice was properly shocked. Why, Aunt Polly, what a shame. Pollyanna's face expressed only concerned sympathy. A shame, repeated Aunt Polly, too dazed to say more. Why, yes. You see, if you'd felt like banging doors, you'd have banged them, of course. And if you didn't, that must have meant that you weren't ever glad over anything, or you would have banged them. You couldn't have helped it. And I'm so sorry you weren't ever glad over anything. Pollyanna, gasped the lady. But Pollyanna was gone, and only the distant bang of the attic stairway door answered for her. Pollyanna had gone to help Nancy bring down her things. Miss Polly, in the sitting room, felt vaguely disturbed. But then, of course, she had been glad over some things. Thank you, again, for continuing to join us for each episode of Storylight. And if you're new to us, we send you the warmest welcome. Whether you're a new listener or an old friend, we at Storylight would be very grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast and give it a nice rating and review on whatever platform you listen. More than that, though, we would love for more people to be able to enjoy these stories. So please, tell a friend about us. You are my joy. You are my happy thoughts. We'll see you next time.